I hereby introduce to you, Mr. Michael Veazey. Okay, ladies and gents, we're back with Jeremy Byron of Forecastly. Forecast is a very powerful tool for forecasting inventory. And uh, that's one of the areas that gets neglected, I think, in people's research and their planning until you've been around for a while and you realize just how important it is not to either A, go out of stock continuously on a product and, and lose all your precious sale rank that you've spent so much money and sweat to acquire, or on the other hand, to tie your money up for months in something that just sits there, uh, both of which I personally experienced and all my Amazon selling friends have as well. So very, very important stuff. Um, today, Jeremy, I'd love if we could focus on the seller who's a little bit more further into the game, they've got 5, 10, maybe 20 SKUs, in other words, product lines. And uh, how do they use Forecastly or how do they generally deal with forecasting across the board as a bigger picture function of their business? Sure. You know, an experienced seller really a lot of times values their time a lot more. Um, and they realize more than their time What's more expensive than their time is the stock out. So they realize how much a stock out is going to cost them. Um, that's how they end up on a software platform. So you can do it in Excel and Excel, since you've already purchased it, is free, right? Or is it worth 50 or 100 or $200 a month because if I run to use a software, because if I run out of stock for two weeks, it's going to cost me $5,000 in lost profit. Well, I'll take, I'll give you $200 right now if you're going to give me 5,000 in a month from now. Um, so that's really what it comes down to as far as why somebody would choose a software versus trying to do it themselves. Um, and then if you want to use a software, you just want to think about how is it actually making that calculation? Um, and how is it different than just doing it myself, right? Something that Some things that you can do if you have a database, a big database and crazy algorithms, as you can look at variability in demand and spikes in sales. And if, is my item going to have a spike in sales based on historical data? And how big is that spike going to be? Um, if it runs out of stock, how much is it going to cost me? Can I rank my products? That's a really big one. Um, I'll... I see a common mistake across experienced sellers, and I was guilty of it as well, is using the exact same replenishment algorithm across all of your items. Why are you going to use you know, X percentage safety stock across all of your items if one item is making you $5,000 a month and another item is making you 100 I want to invest a lot more into my safety stock on that $5,000 in profit a month item so that it doesn't run out of stock, right? Um, and that's yeah, a pretty totally common makes sense. And your software will deal with, um, what does it do? Sort of make a recommendation based on the profitability of your stock. I mean, what, what sort of, um, what sort of things can Forecastly do for Amazon sellers and give us a flavor of a few of the sort of results that you get from using it. Sure. Our forte is demand forecasting. So it's kind of a replenishment a replenishment forecast, no matter if it's your own or if it's software's, if it's gar it's garbage in, garbage out. So if you're feeding bad data into that thing, then bad recommendations are going to come out on the other side. So we take a lot of pride in making sure that the data is, is right. Um, you know, all right, how many did you sell in the last X period of days? So let's just use 30 days, right? How many units did you sell? was the product in stock for each of those days. If it wasn't, how many days were you out of stock and would you have continued to sell that same number during that period of time? Um, what is the variability of demand? You can't, and I spoke about that just a minute ago, but you can't do that in Excel. It's something that you can only do inside of a complicated uh, software system. So what it does is it, when we design Forecastly, it, I just wanted to know 
what do I have to replenish? When do I have to replenish it? And how many units do I have to replenish? Right. Um, a lot of folks just say, I want to have 30 or whatever the number of days may be, but I want to have 30 days of inventory on hand. So as soon as they get down to 17 days, they reorder however many days they need to bring them up to 30, which is totally wrong because now you're investing in a product that doesn't have to be replenished yet just to bring it up to that number. Um, so what we do is we look at lead time and say, how long is that lead time? Um, how based upon your current inventory, your inbound inventory, what you have in manufacturing right now. And then it makes a recommendation as to when do you need to make a purchase and how many units do you have to purchase. So tell us a bit more of that, that tradition. That sounds like a sort of rule of thumb, which is actually leading people astray. So, so a lot of people say they want 30 days worth of, of units in stock. And if it goes below there, they just automatically replenish. Is that right? Sure. Well, let's use an example. Let's just say um, this is a common example for FBA sellers, or excuse me, private label sellers. I want to have 90 days of inventory on hand at any given time, um, and my, my lead time's a month. So, and I place an order once a month. So, I in a month from now, I only have 60 days on hand. So, I order another 30 days worth of inventory. Well, that product doesn't need to be ordered for another month because I only have a 30-day lead time on that. So now you're ordering inventory that doesn't really need to be purchased yet. So you're, you're tying up cash. Now, a lot of folks will say, oh, well, you just want to make sure you don't have a stock out. So that's why you, you know, that's why you do it. And it makes, your, it makes it for an easy algorithm and we don't have a better way. So that's why we do it. Um, that isn't a good excuse. <laughs> and any experienced seller knows the value of cash. Like cash is king. And if you don't have cash to invest in new products, it's going to slow your growth significantly. Um, so that's why the, the value of when to reorder is more important and more difficult to calculate than any other piece of data. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, the value of cash is, Absolutely right. I mean, basically, you can't pay your bills with uh, stock. If somebody don't, doesn't want, I'm just looking around for random things like, doesn't want my magic blue pen, I can't really pay my suppliers in blue pens if all they want is dollars. So um, it's a very good point. Um, so what what is it that your system will do? I'm, I'm just trying to, I mean, it's, I know you probably answered this question, but I'm trying to get it in sort of simple terms for people like myself that have a fairly primitive understanding of this area and which is explains a few things about my business. Um, <laughs> so what's the alternative to the, the sort of 90 days lead time? Your, your system will just basically give you a sensible lead time based on the actual, you know, more realistic forecast of demand, including variab variability, a bit of safety margin for the lead time going wrong, that sort of stuff. It'll it'll give you a more fat, accurate replenishment date than doing it the other way. Um, and then it ties in a lot of stuff that I didn't touch upon. Um, yeah, it's you can't just look at it and say, all right, I might have a seventy-five or a forty-five day lead time. You need to think about, all right, what is the likelihood of having a spike in sales, and then taking that into consideration um, when you're calculating that reorder point. Um, it really is, and it's not the sole factor, but one of the main factors of having a stock out is having an incorrect replenishment date. 
um, a lot of tools that are out there and just Excel and Amazon's own reports will say, oh, here's when you're going to run out of stock. You shouldn't have to do any manual math. And there's a lot more than just saying, oh, I'm going to run out of stock in 75 days and I have a 45-day lead time. I should order in 30 days. It's not that simple. Um, that's why we pride ourselves in having the most accurate replenishment dates, um, which prevent stockouts. That's certainly, it's certainly absolutely true. Now, you've just touched on the spike in sales. So how do you manage to, because it's certainly absolutely true. If I, for example, if I generally sell 10 units a day um, in a stable sort of time of the year, say it's February, March, April, something like that. So Christmas isn't around the corner or something. And um, I calculate I need 300 units for a month. And then I suddenly have a few days where I sell 50 units a day. It's going to completely screw up my figures. But how do you do that? Is it relative to the supplier's own, the seller's own data or is that drawing on your database of other Amazon sellers or how is that? So two different things. Um, kind of what you explained as far as time of year, that's referred to as seasonality. Um, and then variability of demand is usually tied to a, an individual product. So how often is it having a spike in sales? Um, how large is that spike? And I can't get into too much detail because some of it is kind of black box algorithms. Um, and a lot of it's over my head, right? I have data scientists on the team that know a lot more than I do as far as that's concerned. This is why our al algorithm is uh, extremely accurate. Um, Interesting. And um, so the variability that's tied to individual products, is that something where you need a certain amount of data? You need like 90 days data or half a year's data from the seller? Or can you work with sort of shorter amounts of data? No, the, you're going to get the most accurate forecast if you use kind of a mid-range period of time. Uh, if you use too long of a period of time, what happens is you're going to factor out, if you use six months worth of data, and I hear a lot of people, oh, I want to use six months worth of, worth of sales. That's going to factor out any trend because if you're doing things right, you have an upward trend, right? And if you're using a six-month historical period, you end up looking at too much data and you average too low. Um, I really like a 30-day velocity number. So how many units did I sell in the last 30 days per day? And then, and then go from there and then tie seasonality data on top of that. That's very interesting. And also what that ties in with the conversation I was having with Greg Merce the other day about uh, Jungle Scout and, um, you know, what it takes its data from, because a lot of people find that it's predicts a bit too high and too low. And basically, I think it's, it's based on, obviously, again, they have data scientists working for them. So it's a complicated thing. But broadly speaking, the sales rank and the sales rank is updated pretty much hourly or sort of every few hours by Amazon. So that is going to make some slightly odd predictions as well. So what strikes me is that if you're going to be calculating inventory demands for the future and it's a new product, so you're using Jungle Scout as your starting point rather than your own data, you're going to have to take account of that as well because if you 30 days data sounds like a nice solid number compared to every four hours it changes, you know. Yeah, it will. In, in new new products are very different, right? Um, new products, you're you're just going off an estimate and you're assuming what your sales rank is going to be. So you got to be careful with your assumptions um, when you're when you're forecasting for the future um, for a new product. But that's the only that's the only data you have to go on because you have no sales history. Um, I talk to a lot of sellers that want to use sales rank for an existing product. So, oh, well, it should take sales rank into consideration. No, it shouldn't. <laughs> um, the, you're going to get the most accurate forecast if you use historical sales data. So how many units does it sell per day? We've looked at this across thousands of accounts um, and we've seen it. Um, so it factors all, it just goes off of historical sales only.
Okay, very interesting indeed. That that makes a lot of sense. But I guess once you've had the the data to look at to prove that, um, yeah, that's a very very important distinction actually. So with new products, all you can go off is Jungle Scale, whatever research tool you're using. Um, but with existing products, that is not the best idea. You need to take your historical data and actually like produce more accurate future prediction than looking at the sort of current state of play in you know with other existing products in the market, right? Most definitely. And it is pretty cool that we have, um, don't get me wrong, I mean, it, it is pretty cool that we have tools like Jungle Scout to help us with a sales estimate because, I don't know, four or five years ago, it was just a guess, right? You're just at, you're absolutely guessing how many units you think you're going to sell during a given period of time. Um, and, and the Jungle Scout crew has done an awesome job as far as putting together, you know, trying to put together some, some accurate numbers for us. So we think, all right, if I'm going to sell at a 10,000 rank here, Here's how many units I think I'm going to sell. Yeah, it's an amazing tool. But as you say, once you've got your own data, then you really should be using that for pretty much everything. And I think that's, yeah, from what you said, which is very, very key distinction for me, that that's true for forecasting inventory demand as well. So really worth knowing. Um, my final question, Jeremy, is is a bit broader and approaches as you like from your own perspective. Obviously, you're an expert in, in inventory management, but you've also spent 10 years as a seller on the Amazon platform. Where do you see um, Amazon going in the next sort of 12, 18 months? And if relevant, how does that impact the uh, forecasting of inventory side of things? Sure. Um, Amazon as a company, I, I think you're, you're asking about Amazon is it's well, not always so growing. Company, you're right. It was a dumb question. <laughs> Let me be more precise. How is it going to affect people who are private label sellers um, on Amazon FBA platform, which I think is majority of the list? Sure. So a couple different things. Number one is Amazon's going to be growing their own private label brands. Um, that is no secret. They've done a, they did a tremendous job of that in 2016. Um, so Amazon's now your competitor. Um, that also kind of brings to mind of be careful who you give your supplier and cost data to. Um, the other piece is the international markets are growing tremendously. And I've heard you on previous shows talk about this, so it's no secret. Um, the European market is absolutely booming. And we've seen it across a lot of a lot of accounts. Um, they are, that market is hot, which is great. So private label sellers, as far as where they want to focus their time in 2017, if you are already doing really well in the US, you want to make sure to take those existing products and bring them over to the UK or the rest of, of Europe. Um, there's, I make it sound easier than it, than it sounds because there's a lot that has to happen. Um, you need to, as you know, you know, you got to take care of VAT, you got to take care of all your licensing, you have to get your product there, and then you have, have, you have to have a replenishment strategy. So how am I going to get all of my stuff there on a continuous basis, even after your first, first shipment over there? Um, but that market is great. I mean, I think we'll I think we'll continue to see a lot of the U.S. private label sellers move over to, to that market, or even the Canadian or Mexican markets. Yeah, and I agree with that. Just to intervene slightly on the the Europe side, um, that uh, I've seen a lot of growth there. I've got products in the U.S. and uh, the U.K. and Germany specifically, and um, they they are definitely growing. And I've started working with a couple of U.S. sellers recently, exploring 
getting their products over and solving some of the problems for them of VAT and so forth. Um, and they can be solved, but it is easier to get some help from somebody based in Europe, I'd suggest, because it's a little bit of a knottier problem in the US. But definitely there's a big opportunity there. And one other thing I'd say to any US-based sellers is there aren't that many American sellers yet in Germany, but something like 40% of the sellers are non-German. So in other words, Germans wow. are willing to buy from foreigners, but they're not buying from many Americans yet. So for me, that says, hello, opportunity, American sellers, if you can solve some problems. Most definitely. And I agree with you. If you have someone that can help you out, um, that makes a world of difference because that whole VAT situation, is it, it's not easy. Um, it can be very confusing at first. And but to have somebody that can guide you through that process, it's going to make life a lot easier. Absolutely. So you you came up with a, some very good points about Amazon growing their own private label brands and now becoming our competitor. Um, what other things do you see coming down the pipe uh, this year at Amazon that uh, we're going to have to yeah. deal with as private label sellers? It will, it'll be interesting how things pan out with um, the amount of space at, at the, their facilities is running out um, and they don't want to take a risk to just build hundreds. They're building a ton of warehouse space, but they can't overdo it because eventually the bubble is going to burst or things are going to slow down. It's, it's inevitable. Um, so seller fulfilled prime will definitely, we should see more growth there. It'll be interesting how that pans out. Um, you know, can sellers really fulfill as fast as they need to fulfill? Is it going to be cost effective? Uh, you know, to do two day shipping as a seller for you to ship a product is going to be really, really expensive. So that'll be interesting uh, to see how that pans out. And then, yeah, I think those are kind of the, the, the biggest points that I, I wanted to or that I think of is Amazon growing their own brands, um, international expansion. And then, oh, and the last piece that I wanted to talk about, or I think that was kind of that comes to mind is like the inbound process. So now we have to, you know, we went from having to just slap a UPS label on to then you had to slap the UPS label plus Amazon's label. And now you have to give box contents. Um, it's going to get more and more complicated. The inbound shipping process is a real nightmare. Um, Amazon, and it's not necessarily their fault, Amazon misreceives a, a lot of inventory. Um, you know, you ship a thousand units and only 750 show up. I, you wouldn't believe the number of sellers that don't reconcile their shipments, each and every one, and you absolutely have to. Um, that's one of the things that we help with. We have a tool that helps you reconcile your inbound shipments and keep track of, yep, did I reconcile this? Do I need to reconcile it? Um, what is the value of the inventory that's missing? Hopefully that will start to clean itself up a little bit with the, the inbound, uh, with the boxes and the box contents and that stuff. Um, fantastic. Thank you, Jeremy. There's some, some really um, great insights there. I think not only the private label brands thing, which you're flagging up alongs with other people as well and the opportunity of Europe, um, but also two things which I think are very related to the whole inventory side of things, which you're very, very plugged into, of course, and uh, a lot of people aren't. So the space at facilities and the, the inbound process getting more complex, I think a part and parcel of Amazon sort of dealing with things internally. And uh, it's very, very important that we remember that we're dealing with managing physical units and that the, the flow of those units into and out of Amazon is not a sort of given and a, and a sideshow and that the marketing is the main thing, which I guess a lot of us, myself included, focus on, but that the whole inventory management side of things is part and parcel of, of a successful business. And um, I think you've really, really opened my eyes to several points today about that. And um, 
Um, so it's it's very interesting, Jeremy, that you're predicting not that the uh, the uh, problems with getting inventory in before Christmas in the USA were just a blip, but actually that's becoming a systemic issue for Amazon. And so it's very wise for us to see that one coming. So, uh, yeah, thank you for some very, very concrete guidance on all that stuff. I hope it was helpful. Um, you brought up a good point. It's not the sexiest thing, right? Everyone wants to talk about marketing, but there is a lot of money to be made with your existing inventory. I mean, it's inventory management is most definitely not fun. It's not fancy, um, but there is more profit to be made on your existing account. And hopefully everyone found the tips helpful. And I really appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, many, many people, particularly the people who are serious about this, um, will definitely be making some serious notes from this. And of course, you can go and read the notes at the blog as well as ever at amazingfba.com. Jeremy, if people want to contact more, uh, get more information from you or um, start exploring using Forecastly as a tool, uh, where can they get hold of you? You can find us at on, online at forecast.ly. And then also just to touch on that URL again, we're going to set a, up a URL at forecast.ly forward slash amazing FBA. And we'll put out that Excel tool for launching new products on there. And then you can always reach me at jeremy at forecastly.com. Fantastic. Well, Jeremy, as you um, have got us through the rapids of uh, inventory, as you say, sexy or not, money is always sexy, right? And uh, I think getting a handle on this is very, very important. It's something that I don't hear talked about enough. And um, you've given us some real gold nuggets today. So thank you very, very much, Jeremy, uh, for coming on the show. Hey, and thank you. I was uh, happy to be here. My pleasure.